Hey there, thanks for tuning in. My name's Kara and you're listening to Demystifying Careers, a podcast where we talk to real people about who they are, what they do, and how they got to where they are today. For today's episode, we have Malik Dancy and Chelsea Hanfield, two doctors who have recently started their medical residencies in orthopedic surgery and dermatology, respectively. The couple, who are actually married in real life and met while attending neighboring medical schools, talk with us about their professional journeys thus far. I spoke to them about many different aspects of their careers, and so this episode you're listening to is the final of three that will be released. In this episode, Malik and Chelsea discuss applying to medical school, from getting recommendation letters to the anxiety of waiting to hear back from schools. Listen on to hear all about it, and when you're done, check out the other two episodes about getting started in medicine and life in medical school. And with that, enjoy the podcast. All right, so we are back again with Chelsea and Malik. Thank you guys again for being here. Thanks for having us. I'd love to hear a little bit about applying to medical school. So what that was like for you, um, sort of the little nitty gritty steps like the MCATs, um, applications, and then what made you decide on the school that you ended up going to? So I'll start with that. If you guys could tell me what school, what med school you ended up going to and why you decided on that school, that would be great. So I ended up going to uh, UNC School of Medicine. Um, I went to UNC Chapel Hill for undergrad. So it's a very familiar area. Um, I did something called the uh, Medical Education Development Program, uh, which is designed for people either in their third or their fourth year, junior, senior year of undergrad or any time post undergrad, but before medical school to, to get a feel of the med school to, it simulates the curriculum and allows you to kind of try out for medical school in a sense. And, you know, through that program and through my time at UNC for undergrad, I was able to meet a lot of the administrators and mentors. And I just felt that I had a family at UNC and that was close to my real family that is uh, from Raleigh. So about 30 minutes away. And it just kind of checked off all the boxes uh, for me. And it was a state school. So considering the financial piece of it, I felt that I could get, you know, a great education there and it wouldn't break the bank for me and, you know, having me in a whole bunch of debt. So, you know, that's really the reason why I ended up at UNC. I went to Duke School of Medicine and when it came down to choose which medical school I wanted to go to, I was between kind of two choices. So it was Duke and then also UCSF, um, so University of California at San Francisco. And the reason why I was really fond of both of those institutions is because of my interview day. At both of those places when I got there, it felt very welcoming, warm, like a community environment where I knew I'd be well supported um, and where I felt like the um, there's a flexibility in the curriculum that I could really make my experience whatever I wanted it to be. I think I ultimately ended up choosing Duke because they had that 10 to 12 month dedicated research time. Um, I didn't think that'd be something that I would seek out on my own because I was very intimidated by the idea of research. So I liked the idea of pushing myself out of my comfort zone and the ability to really become an expert in something um, that I knew that would just ultimately make me a better residency applicant. There's the added benefit that it is much cheaper to live in North Carolina than it is anywhere in North Carolina than it is to live in San Francisco. And my the geographically, I knew I'm from Miami. If I went to SF, I would 
maybe be able to see my family once a year versus North Carolina was perfect for me. It's like a one hour, maybe two hour flight down to Miami and a four hour drive to DC where my sister is. So it is perfectly located. Um, and I knew I would have a, a good lifestyle. And there are a lot of factors to consider. Um, and in no order of importance, you need to think about cost of living wherever you are, cost of tuition and what financial package that place is offering compared to other places. And I've heard, I don't know how successful this um, strategy is, that you can try and um, like barter or try and pit schools against each other by saying, hey, well, this place offered me this financial package. Like, what can you do? Tread lightly with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'll just throw that out there. Um, other things to think about, what your support system is going to look like there. Do you already have um, people there that you know are going to be by your side and help you when you have a bad day? I know a lot of people who chose their respective school because of the proximity to family. Um, Things that we said before, like non-negotiables, pass, fail, and non-ranking. Trust me, it will make the world of difference for your first year. Does that school have the, um, or does that hospital system have the specialty that you think you're interested in? That's a major key. Yeah. Um, not every school has a dermatology program. And if you went into med school thinking that you wanted to do derm, you just did yourself a disservice. It's definitely possible to match into a specialty if your home institution doesn't have it, but it's going to be harder. I appreciate you mentioning those because I, I think it's interesting when we think about applying to places. I think the first thing people think of is like just their ranking, maybe on like US News and Report. And if I got into multiple schools, I'll just choose whatever's top of the list. But there's so much more that goes into that decision and even into just the decision of where to apply. Um, because like you said, it can affect your support system. It can affect your future career prospects. So that's, that's really important information. Thank you. So I want to dive into the actual application process and sort of what are the different elements that went into it, things like recommendation letters and the MCAT, and then what it was like getting those all together, because I'm sure there's lots of different pieces and it's a bit of a stressful time. So the components of your uh, medical school application are your GPA. So they'll look at your overall GPA plus just your science GPA. So the grades that you got just in the core science classes. Um, they're going to look at your MCAT score. Um, one piece of advice for that, they've since, since I took the MCAT, have changed the content that it covers. But you want to um, have completed those courses before you take the MCAT. So that probably means people are taking it later in the game than I, um, than my peers were. I took it immediately following my junior year. Because um, you want to be already familiar at a, at a core level of what the topics they're covering, like what that material really is. Um, and you want to spend you want to spend your time preparing for the MCAT, just learning the MCAT, learning the exam style and how to really excel on that, not learning the actual content itself. Um, in addition to the MCAT, they're also looking at what activities were you engaged in, whether that be um, athletics, clubs, research, and really, again, the quality of those experiences, like what can you show for it? Um, how did you contribute to make it hopefully better than when you first um, joined that respective activity, for lack of a better word? The Also, um, your application consists of your essay, um, which is a time where you can really 
say what you're looking to get out of medical school, why you want to pursue a career in medicine, and um, don't say you just want to help people. Every Hopefully, everybody's doing medicine wants to help you. You want, you want it to be more personalized than that. And it's okay if you change your mind. I went into medical school thinking I, I was going to do neurosurgery. Obviously, I'm doing dermatology. It changed a lot. Um, but you just want to have some type of, um, they want to know that you, you've thought about what you, you want your career to look like. And you have, you're making an intelligent decision when you say that you want to go into medicine and you know what you want to get out of medical school. And then the last component is your, um, are your letters of recommendation. Your letters should come from people who really know you. And if you have that kind of strong relationship as you should try to with your letter writers, it's also an opportunity where you can turn your potential weaknesses in your application into strengths. So one example that I was recently told is if you don't have uh, many leadership experiences, then you can maybe prompt your letter writer to include something like, this person was a leader in the classroom. So you show that you still have that skill, you still, you've still exhibited that skill in other ways. So if you, if you have the ability and if you had the forethought, you really wanna try and make your application tell a story. So for myself, I thought I was gonna be going into neurosurgery. So I was a psychology major, but I ended up um, pursuing the psychology, the, the neuroscience track within the um, psychology major. During my summers, I went back to Miami and worked with um, a lab affiliated with a neurosurgeon at the University of Miami. In that, I ended up having a couple of publications, a case report and a literature review that were within the top that were covering neurosurgery relevant topics. And then I also had shadowing experience in the clinic and the OR with that particular neurosurgeon. And then additionally, I didn't plan it this way, but my little part-time job was in the um, Alzheimer's disease research unit. All of that to say, all of my experiences kind of were in line with my passion or what I thought would be my passion for neurosurgery. So if you have the ability to work it that way, um, it'll make your application look way more cohesive and kind of tell a thorough story. Not, it doesn't have to be that way. And it's certainly, if it's not, um, it certainly doesn't mean that you won't get into the medical school of your dreams, but I think that can make you stand out as an applicant for sure. I mean, I can see it from the admissions committee as well. If you're reading tons and tons of applications, the ones that probably stick out the most are the ones that are telling that cohesive story where you can remember, oh, that's the person who wants to be a neurosurgeon or a neurologist or something like that. Um, and it just sticks out in your brain a little bit better. So Malik, you had mentioned before that you took a gap year, and I know that's uh, something a lot of my friends who are um, interested in med school, they're doing right now. Can you talk a little bit about what you did during that gap year and why you chose to take it? For sure. So, I mean, you know, there's a, a few reasons why people can, can take them. Um, I can tell my own and then, you know, why other people choose to take them. Some people do it to have a break because that's a lot of school to have, you know, four years of undergrad, all the years of high school before that, four years of undergrad, and then another four years of med school and then residency coming right afterwards. Some people just want to have a little time to maybe go in the real world, maybe work, maybe take a year off from school and do something that they're really passionate about. You want to, when you apply to medical school, you need to, you're gonna to wanna to have a reason why you did that and a pretty, decent reason to tell them you know it can't just be oh, I was tired of school you know you had to have been doing something or else it, it might can work against you a little bit but the other reason why people do it 
is because they need it. <laughs> and I was one of those people. So in a previous podcast, um, I kind of talked about how I didn't really develop the, the discipline and the study skills early on in my, uh, in my academic career, like high school and middle school. You know, I was able to do the work, but it wasn't because I was very studious or a great student. You know, I, I didn't study uh, consistently. I kind of crammed everything. And that was an adjustment. I had an adjustment period at the beginning of college because the classes were becoming more difficult and my study skills hadn't adapted to that. I wasn't able to cram as effectively as I was and get by in high school. And so my grades really weren't what they should have been my freshman year uh, and into part of my sophomore year. And so, you know, by the latter half of sophomore year, I figured it out. I became more studious. I still wasn't exactly where I needed to be, but I was more studious. And, you know, junior year, I pretty much, you know, perfected it. Some of my best grades in the senior year, I was kind of coasting because the classes were easier by that time anyway. But the problem is uh, my GPA was still hurting from freshman year where I hadn't, didn't have my act together. And, you know, I, again, had some, some mentors who, who told me, like, you're going to you, – I, I was showing an upward trend, but the upward curve was not long enough yet. I needed to show continued uh, excellence in my courses, I guess is how they put it. And so what I needed to do is essentially have another year where I, con- I continue to take more classes and do well in them. Uh, I enrolled in a year's worth of courses and just picked the highest level, hardest science classes they had to offer. And the goal was just to kill it. So I could come before the medical school admissions board and say, hey, I know what it looked like in the beginning, but I got my act together. I got my study skills up. I worked hard, blah, blah, blah. And here I am. And it's, it's shown in my track record. And you see consistent and continued, pretty much exponential improvement between when I started freshman year and where I am now. So you can be confident that I can get to your medical school and do just fine there. You don't have any academic concerns for me. And so that was really a key factor for me. I did it out of, out of necessity. Um, some people do it because maybe they didn't find out that they wanted to do medicine for, you know, until their junior year of college. And at this point, they got one more year left of college and a ton of different hard science classes to take. So they go ahead and finish out whatever degree, let's say it was English or whatever, or music or whatever they were interested in. And they finish that out at their undergraduate university. And then they enroll in a post-bac program where essentially they just fulfill all of their medical school classes. It's interesting because um, I can only speak to the advisors at, you know, the university advisors that I came in contact with. They didn't really give me a lot of hope uh, as far as what I could do after kind of my freshman and early sophomore year blunders. You know, they tried to convince me to go into another field or, you know, they didn't even bring up the option of a post-bac. It wasn't until I spoke to some of one of those lifelong mentors that I even knew that that was a possibility. And a lot of people that had made similar mistakes in their adjustment to college, they took the advice of the advisors and they changed fields and they ended up ultimately not going into medicine. And so a lot of people, that's why it's really important to, to, to form relationships with people in the places that you want to be so that you know what your options are. I have to note that my MCAT score really backed that up because, uh, you know, again, it's a standardized test. And as unfortunate as it is, that standardized test determined uh, a lot of things. At least I was able to say not only do you see this improvement in my grades, but on the standardized test, I'm kind of demonstrating that 
I score, you know, at or above the students at your school. And that's, you know, that, that helps. That helps a lot. That helped a lot. But, um, you know, all that just to say that even if things start off not the way that you want them to start off with continued work and continued improvement, you can still get to that end point. Nobody's path, nobody's journey is the same. Try not to have a lot of anxiety if your path, your unique path does not match that of, you know, your older sibling or your friend or, you know, your, 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 even your mentor. It doesn't have to look the same. You can have the same destination, but you can take completely different routes to get to the same place. I think it's really easy for everyone to compare themselves to others and where everyone else is along their journey. And so to hear that everyone has a different path is really helpful. And also, I mean, I, I don't think I fully even knew about being able to take courses after you graduated college. And I don't think I'd really heard about that a lot in undergrad with my med school friends. So again, thank you for mentioning that, because I think that applies to a lot of people who maybe started off a little rocky, but they had that upward trend like you did. But I would love to hear, I, so one of my favorite uh, YouTube subgenres is watching people get accepted into schools, whatever it be, maybe like med school or undergrad. But I'd love for you guys to talk about the feeling you had when you first found out you were accepted to a medical school. Maybe it was your first one or your dream one. What was that like for you? Man, it's so hard to describe. <laughs> it, was, it was such a relief, honestly, you know, from all the anxiety surrounding the MCAD and then, you know, me worried about whether or not my grades were up to par and having to take that extra year. And I had invested so much, you know, there was a lot of discouragement along the way, you know, from other people, but then also me just doubting in and of myself. Um, so actually, you know, the way that I got it was one of the deans of the medical school, the one I interviewed with on my interview day, he called me. It was like late at night, it was like nine or 10 o'clock at night. It's pretty late actually. And he called me and I wasn't expecting a call from anybody, but I knew it was a, you know, a North Carolina number. And this is before like all the spam calls started becoming a thing. So I picked up and thank God I picked up and he, you know, he just let me know, you know, Malik just wanted to be the first to call and let you know that, you know, you've been accepted in the UNC school of medicine. And, you know, I'm trying to contain all my excitement, trying to keep it professional on the phone with him. And they, you know, told me I get the official letter in the mail, but he just wanted to be the first to tell me congrats. And, uh, you know, thank you, sir. Hung up and just started yelling. Like, it was so great. You know, it was just such a big relief just because so much was up in the air. And I felt like I finally had my foot in the door somewhere. And, you know, med school graduation rate is 98%. So I'm just like, look, I'm basically a doctor, right? <laughs> I made it, right? So it was, it was a great feeling. So, you know, right after that, you know, I called my parents, check, text Chelsea. And, you know, we all just celebrate over the phone together. And, uh, you know, you, you, you don't realize a lot of times, you know, even though it's just you applying, at least as far as my family goes, they were in it with me too, you know? So it was just such a big relief for everyone. It's just definitely one of my proudest moments, one of my best memories. Um, I remember the moment I got the call about Duke. It was around the time of graduation and Dr. Brenda Armstrong herself, the great rest in peace, um, she called me and told me, I remember I was on my bed and I started screaming. I was so excited. And yeah, I just remember her calling me and telling me and being so excited and screaming. And then my roommate probably ran in. Uh, but yeah, I will not, I will never forget that moment. That's amazing that I, again, I love hearing acceptance stories like that. They're so much fun to hear. 
So my last question is, what's your last piece of advice that you would leave listeners with when it comes to the whole process of applying to med school? Try to just not worry about what's going on with other people around you. Try not to compare your journey too much. Because again, they go through multiple rounds of acceptances. You know, they take some apps, some applications, they accept some students early, uh, they accept some students later. Regardless, they're still going to be there in the fall. Um, and you'll hear about it, especially in the age of social media. And just don't get down on yourself if it takes a little bit longer for you to hear something back uh, than other people. Uh, I remember when I applied to UNC, I actually ended up getting in pretty quickly, uh, fortunately. But some of my friends got in even more quickly. And I remember that feeling and the anxiety that it gave me. Like, oh, my gosh, they already review apps. They already took everybody they're going to take. You know, they're not going to take me. Why wouldn't they take me? And, you know, it was a source of anxiety for about two weeks. And then I got the call. And I was like, oh, okay, I was just being silly. But, you know, I, I heard back. They heard back. Maybe I interviewed in October. Some of my friends got in at the end of October. I ended up getting in maybe the second or third week in November. But I had friends that got in in June. And then we started in August at the school. So, you know, it's a long period of time. And just try not to, to look around too much. And again, just try not to compare your journey to everybody else's. Um, echoing what Malik just said, I definitely wasn't in the first round for Duke. Like I said, I got the call around graduation. So that was May. That was probably one of the last um, to go. Do not try and compare yourself to other people or keep up with what other people are doing. I know they have those websites out there um, that say Student like- Doctor Network, don't look at that. Yeah, I even I've never it. been one of those people to, I was actually encouraged like, okay, you actually do need to engage in some of this stuff when it came time to apply to residency, but that's not my vibe. Just stay, stay in your own lane. Don't worry about all those other people. Half of them are lying anyway. Yes. Um, and it will stress you out for no reason. Yep. Um, people will literally make stuff up like oh well I got a 4.0 GPA and I got a whatever you know near the top school on my MCAT and I got denied from medical school like that didn't happen they didn't happen to anybody but they'll put that up there just to scare and discourage people there are bad people out there and I was a person to tune into that type of website so I'm just word of advice don't don't even don't even look at it be like Chelsea be more like Chelsea and do not let anyone tell you that you cannot do whatever you want to achieve don't let if you want to be a doctor do not let anyone dissuade you from applying to medical school if someone truly truly has your best interest in heart they may say that you're not ready yet for this next step then take that to mean okay i may have to do an alternative path like we were talking about before but that doesn't mean that i still won't arrive at that destination both of us we're going into two very competitive specialties within medicine and have experienced, I know Malik for sure, multiple times that moment of someone saying, oh, like, are you sure you really want to do this? Or I don't know if this is really going to work out for you. Like it did <laughs> more, more so than we could have ever dreamed. So don't let anyone dissuade you. I've heard that way too many times. I will never be the person to tell anyone like, no, you cannot do this. An incredible note to end off with. So thank you so much for that. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people need to hear too, because there are probably going to be a lot of challenges along the way. And there are probably going to be people who maybe say it's not for them or this isn't the right path they should take. So I think it's good for people to know themselves and know what their goals are and uh, believe in themselves in that way. So thank you.
All right. Well, Malik and Chelsea, thank you guys so much again for being part of this and for speaking with me today. And I'm sure the listeners appreciate it a lot too. So thank you. Thank you for having us. And that's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information on the guest and what was discussed, check out the information in the podcast description box. And to hear more, feel free to subscribe to this podcast and leave a rating so others can find demystifying careers too. Don't forget that if you want to hear more from Malik and Chelsea, there are two more episodes available where they discuss getting started in medicine and life in med school. Thanks again, and see you next time.